Welcome to Purpose and Productivity, a podcast made possible by the SkyPass Group of Companies and SkyLife Success. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Purpose and Productivity. I trust you enjoyed the missive presented by my colleague Shelley Kurian on tactics and strategy. And if you have been tracking along, as I hope you have, we've talked about the greatest friendship, the greatest influence, and the greatest strength. Today, I want to share some ideas with you that will encourage you, give you a little pep to your step. And this one is called Your Greatest Discipline. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of about three different arenas that affect our discipline. Just as a backdrop to where we are, I am in a fabulous hotel in Salt Lake City, Utah. I made a long six-hour drive up from Las Vegas, Nevada, where I was doing some work dealing with the Second Amendment in the United States and learning some of the precepts as it parlayed to that. Then I had a most spectacular and uh, awe-inspiring experience when a family that we know, the McPhee family out of Nevada, said that instead of you doing a boring drive back from where you are to where you need to pick up your rent-a-car, why doesn't one of our sons just fly down to a remote airstrip there in our small little training plane and bring you back to the area of Las Vegas and that way you'll get a different glimpse No, I have soared the heavenly skies in Boeing 747s at 30 plus thousand feet. I have cruised at high level altitudes all over the globe. But this was the first time as an adult, uh, I was in a very small plane that was just a two-seater, two more behind, I guess could fit depending on weight loads. And uh, that's where they put my suitcase. And we cruised at about 6,000 feet over some of the mountains between a place called Parump, Nevada. And we ended up in an airport in Boulder City. And from there, I drove on to Las Vegas. Now, the reason I give you this backdrop is amidst the desire to give information that is hopeful and awe-inspiring, amidst the desire to produce these podcasts, I also want to take you along this trajectory of my own self-reflection. Where do I get my inspiration from? How do I begin to decide that this is what I want to talk about? So that small morning, as you watch the sun peeking over the horizon, you begin to awaken God's awesome wonder. You see creation stirring alive, and suddenly you realize Just like you were the little kid who watched ships in a harbor wondering if any of them would have your voyage, just like you've been to many countries using those planes that fly at that high altitude, suddenly into your midst to bring wonder, you have this experience of being in a little turboprop that takes you across the sky almost as if you can see the earth. It moves at a relatively slower pace. I think the airlines that I usually fly in cruise 500, 600 miles an hour. This one tops off at about 110, which means you're faster than a speeding car, but you're slow enough in the air to actually watch all of the things manifest around you. And that gets you thinking, because after that, I got this long drive I took uh, from Las Vegas to Salt Lake, 
through the mountains, a little part of Arizona, the red sandstone cliffs on the side, the beauty and the scenery that unfolds. As I was doing this, I was listening to Adrian Rogers talk about light and darkness and talking about how in our journeys we are constantly in peril, constantly in doubt. And how do you look at the wonder of God's creation and try to make every hurt into a hallelujah, every scar into a star, every pearl into a promise, and every pain into providence? And as I was listening to that, I thought about the word discipline. The word discipline itself is what we require in these times to have that little oomph, to look at the splendor of the world and say it's not coming to an end and I'm going to run into the house because of that feeling of oh, being overwhelmed, but to actually participate in life. So waking up at five o'clock in the morning, cramming yourself into a small plane is probably not the idea of everyone's cup of tea until you say, what is the sight you can see as a result of that effort that you would normally not see? And ultimately, that's what discipline is. Discipline is conditioning yourself to go through some amount of turmoil, some amount of tensile pulling and pushing, some amount of documentation within your own mind about how much you're willing to stretch your physical capacity, your mental acumen, so that you can begin to see the possibility behind the impossibility that overwhelms us. Jim Rohn said, discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. We all have goals. We have talked about goals. We all want accomplishment. It's part of the human condition. But discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. So between the dreams of where you want to be and the place of destiny where you actually arrive, now having accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish, is that discipline. So what is our greatest discipline? In which areas of our life do we need that greatest discipline so our goals can indeed become accomplishment? Lou Holtz put it this way. He said, winners embrace hard work. They love the discipline of it, the trade-off they're making to win. Losers, on the other hand, see it as a punishment, and that's the difference. So as I was making that drive up here, I thought to myself, who in their right mind would decide to just drive six hours instead of conveniently flying maybe two legs of an hour apiece to two different locations if there's no direct option? But that's part of the discipline. What is it in that moment of doubt, that moment of uncertainty, when you're by yourself on a 400-mile stretch of road where there's nothing but desert on either side, there's no civilization, and then, you know, you go through 40 or 60 miles of absolute barrenness. All you can marvel is at wonder and creation, and then if you have some kind of mid-level paranoia that I tend to experience because of the what-ifs, what if the car breaks down, what if you have a flat, and that kind of puts you on edge. You try to stay the course, you try to do the things, but you also try to stop and stretch, and that's what these excursions are about. So what are some of the principles I learned yesterday that I think can help you today in your greatest discipline? That actually follows along on the concept of your greatest friendship, your greatest influence, and your greatest strength. The first one is the discipline in light and darkness. And the story I heard yesterday, and I wouldn't have heard the story had I not been in a car listening to a podcast in the middle of nowhere that would take a little longer than I would normally listen to on a commute, on a commute at home. 
And the story is told by Adrian Rogers in his message about leadership, I think it was, and the need for a different kind of leadership at the time we are in. And we are in perilous times. I, of course, live in America where we are getting ready to head into an election. And that's front and center. That news seems to monopolize our time and uh, come kind of take over our thought processes. But the story he gave was so very chilling about light and darkness and the discipline required. A father and a daughter just returning from the gravesite service of having buried the girl's mother and the man's wife. So suddenly this family is now requiring a new kind of discipline or a new kind of hope to look through. They need to find a new kind of light in the darkness that has enveloped them in the physical absence of a person. So some of you during this COVID pandemic have lost loved ones, have lost sustenance, have lost ability, have lost financial uh, position, have lost uh, occupational provision, have depleted your savings. And so there's a lot of darkness that has enveloped us, whether the grief that we are experiencing is coming through death, as the story will tell us, or if it just comes in divorce or separation or whatever it is. Let's look at the discipline we need to have in the light that is our solution amidst the darkness that seemingly is never ending. Now, the story is told that when you are in that darkness, God can be your only light. Don't try to outlight the darkness and try to short-circuit the experience. And that's the discipline. Sometimes darkness is the experience. Sometimes darkness and despair is that issue that we have to go through and look for the discipline of the light amidst that darkness and not try to circumvent it. So back to our story about the daughter and the father who come back to an empty home the mother is no longer there. I know that feeling when we uh, cremated my mother in India and I had to go back to the room. I chose to go to the guest house where we had a room close to the hospital for two days because I couldn't fathom going into that apartment that did not have the gentle glide of my mother across that apartment floor, making everything seem okay. If there was a snack to be prepared, her hands with years of experience and the recipes that were carved in her head that required no measurement, just the touch and feel. She would dip in one jar, procure from another jar, and suddenly, miraculously, that which you wanted. Being a child who has now lived in the West, when I went back to India, I craved some of those homemade delicacies, that familiarity of my youth. And every morning and every evening at breakfast and snack time or dinner time, my mother would ask me, is there something specific from your youth that I can prepare for you that uh, would allow you to feel good. And she knew in her heart that these times were spare, sparing and these times were sparse, but we needed a discipline amidst that darkness, which was our own making. So uh, I, I understand the story when the, going back to this little girl who walks into the house and immediately that night she tells her father, she says, Daddy, today can I sleep in the bed with you? I am so afraid of a house that doesn't have mama. And as she, the father was hoping he would say that, he did, want, he did not want the unfamiliarity of a bed either. So that night, as he switched off the lights, uh, his daughter crawled into bed with him. And immediately she said, she says, Daddy, it is so dark. It is so dark. I can't see anything. It is so dark. And the father held the daughter close because that was the way they were going to cope with their grief. 
And finally, because she was exhausted from her own memories of the day and the, the future that looked daunting, the girl in great innocence amidst the darkness of that room where everything seemed extinguished in their life, searched for the light of an answer, a strength that would come in the form of light. As she gently spoke out to her father, she says, Daddy, I cannot even see your face, but please tell me that it is facing me. And the daughters and the father said, yes, my baby girl, it is facing you. And with that, the girl said, okay, I'm going to go to sleep now. At which point the father waited for the girl to fall asleep. And then he got off the bed and got on his knees. And in that absolute darkness, he looked up at the heavens above and he said, Lord, my God, it is very dark. I have lost my soulmate. I have lost my companion. I have lost the very thing that gave me semblance in this world and gave me reality in the extended world that came because of her in the form of this girl that is now in my bed. Lord of heaven, please tell me as I try to cope with this darkness that you are facing me. And the word from heaven came, yes, my son, I am facing you. Sometimes our greatest discipline is that light in the darkness, but I love this story. What a common uh, theme of strength and encouragement that becomes that when we are in despair, in absolute darkness, we go down to our knees, just close our eyes and clamber up to the heavens and ask, our, ask the Lord our God that question, my Lord, please tell me that you are facing me. That is what the greatest discipline is. When you're looking for light in darkness, make sure you're looking for the face that looks back at you and says, follow me, the face that guides me. Abraham tried to light his own fire in that darkness before that covenant with Isaac, and we seen what a nomadic people came out of Ishmael. Moses who was in a palace, was supposed to do what he was called to do to take the people wandering out. But instead, he went and committed murder and buried that body. And when the sands of time went over that body and he was discovered, he had to escape and then come back later. So sometimes in our desire, says Adrian Rogers, to circumvent the darkness, we try to light something. We try to ignite something to create the light that would gather us, our wits, amidst that darkness. But he says... God's light is the only light you need amidst darkness, and that should always be your greatest discipline. The second is discipline in length and distance. So the first was discipline in light and darkness. The second is length and distance. It's very interesting, you know. Uh, Lou Holtz, uh, quote, if we go back to, he says, winners embrace hard work. They love the discipline of it, the trade-off they're making to win. Losers, on the other hand, see it as a punishment, and that's the difference. I remember some years ago in Greenville, South Carolina, I'd gone to attend a program where Mr. Ziegler was speaking, and one of the other speakers was Lou Holtz. Coach Lou Holtz of Notre Dame fame, then on to ESPN, of course, had a history and a track record of being an eloquent speaker, an incredible motivator. Uh, very, uh, In terms of stature, he's not a very imposing man, but the command and the depth of his intellect uh, motivated football teams to peak performance. But when he was at the University of Southern California, their football team was going through a very 
transitionary period. He had been called to rebuild, and as a result, I think their win-loss ratio that first year was abysmal. So Mr. Holtz was speaking at an event, and uh, there was a private luncheon in addition to that, and if you paid a little extra money, I think you got to go into that luncheon. Since I had privilege of being access to Mr. Ziegler, I was invited to that luncheon, and therein Mr. Holtz said this. He says, there is no dumb question. There may be some dumb answers, but there is no dumb question. Now, I want you to think of the discipline of length and distance. And the man as a football coach had this genius of an observation. One of the participants stood up in that luncheon because he had been given permission that no question was a dumb question. I guess he asked this. He said, coach, your team has an abysmal record. In fact, I don't think you won a game all year. But in this day of the speedy tight end, which is a position in football, he says, why don't you just go over to the athletic department and get someone who is an incredible runner, which means he's not that gifted in football. He can just outrun the coverage that is presented to him because he's a sprinter. Just let him lose and let him outrun all the coverage that is around him because he's incredibly fast and he's fast in another sport and your quarterback will be able to uh, get past the coverage and find him and maybe you can score a few points. At which point Coach Holt said this, he says, now that's a dumb question, and I guess that would have been the setup no matter what question was asked. But the brilliance of his following answer talks about length and discipline, length and distance within the confines of discipline. If you're looking at your discipline, and you're looking at length and span and distance in the totality of the journey, his response is brilliant. He said, if I have to have a runner who can outplay every maneuver, who can outthink the coverage just by sheer speed and then eventually break wide open and have such an open area that my quarterback can find him. I have a quarterback problem. The quarterback in football, obviously, for those of you in other parts of the world who do not understand the illustration, is someone who once he gets the ball in the center has to give it to a runner or somebody who will scramble it through the defense that is now charging at you, these 300-pound linebackers who want to pulverize you, or try to find your wide receiver who has made a couple of angles and cuts and try to get the ball over some of the defenders to him and hope that the receiver after that can have what they call yards after the catch. But the question was based on the fact that your quarterback has not been able to get the ball to anybody because the opposing defense is so severe. And as a result, if you have a sprinter who can sprint through that oncoming defense, outcover outrun the cornerbacks who are guarding him, then the quarterback now would not have all this infiltration of traffic in front of him that he has to navigate and negotiate with. Instead, he can look downfield and see a wide open person ready to take a catch and sprint away. And Holtz's answer, Coach Holtz's answer was that if I need someone to break the coverage of the obstacles in front of him and to be wide open beyond all the obstacles that are coming to me so that now I can reach him unencumbered, that then is a direction problem and it's a distance and a length problem, which means my discipline is now not about the, anything else but the person who has the ball. I love that illustration because sometimes when we look at the obstacles in our life, we're wondering if it can become easy and there's something further down that does not require all of this 
trial and tribulation? Is there something in another country that is easier? And this is the proverbial, is the grass always greener on the other side of the mountain? And we know the answer to that is yes. But if you're always worrying about another mountain, you're worrying about another valley, you're worrying about another opportunity, then your issue in your discipline is the length that you have to go and the distance that you have to cover to arrive at that which God has already preordained for you. Short-circuiting that, circumventing that means you have a problem of discipline. And the last is laughter and despair. So what is your discipline in light and darkness? What is your discipline in length and distance? And what is your discipline in laughter and despair? And I'm just going to close with this quote by G.K. Chesterton. It's a joy which was the small publicity of the pagan is the gigantic secret of the Christian. And as I close this chaotic volume, I think this is from Orthodoxy, as I close this chaotic volume, I open again the strange small book from which all Christianity came, and I begin haunted by a kind of confirmation. The tremendous figure which fills the Gospels towers in this respect as in every other above all thinkers who ever thought themselves tall. His pathos was natural, almost casual. The Stoics, ancient and modern, were proud of concealing their tears. He never concealed his tears. He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far sight of his native city. Yet he concealed something. Solemn supermen and imperial diplomatists are proud of restraining their anger. He never restrained his anger. He flung furniture down the steps of the temple and asked men how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. Yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence. There was in that shattering personality a thread that must be called shyness. There was something that he hid from all men when he went up on the mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon our earth. And I have sometimes fancied that it was his mirth. Gaiety that desire within us to have an inner laughter that overcomes the depths of despair, that inner joy that overcomes the haunting specter of doubt. So when you look at your greatest discipline, when you look at it on the heels of your greatest friendship, your greatest influence, and your greatest strength, ask yourself, how are you looking in discipline when it's light and darkness? Are you like that daughter and that father? Are you like that father who gets down on his knees and says, Lord, in the depth of my darkness, please assure me that your face is always pointed to me. What about length and distance? Are you trying to outthink your coverage? Are you trying to outrun your coverage? Or are you going to learn the discipline to navigate it? And finally, laughter and despair. Do you have the inner, dis- inner laughter, the discipline of inner mirth, the, in- the discipline of inner joy? Until next time, this has been another episode of Purpose and Productivity from Salt Lake City, Utah. Good luck. God bless. That concludes another episode of Purpose and Productivity with Chris Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at chrisdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.